0: Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast for Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Ryan Bruchette, our junior high school ministry pastor and I might add, a respecter of substitute teachers. This is true. This you, is true. I was wondering, because when I put that in the notes, if you yes. would like know what I was talking about there and why I was going to say that. Uh, because years ago, when I was substitute teaching, mm-hmm. um, you were in one of the classes that my first exposure to you was as a student in a classroom. Yes. Precisely. And I remember thinking that there was like an energy about this kid that was, <laughs> that was wow. either... Well, at the time, I did, there, it wasn't an either or, I thought is this kid going to turn against me? What, you know, what is this, where's this energy going to go? Because like sometimes that really friendly energy can, can be like disruptive, but yours turned out to be a very respectful energy, a very like, Hey, I like this guy. Let's play along with his dumb jokes. And it was good. It was legendary though, Peter,
1: because we were expecting fully to just dive into some boring English. And you told us the extremely awesome story about how you proposed to Holly. So yes, that's the fir- what we the spent. F- the
0: first kiss story, dude. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, first kiss, not proposing. No, no, it leads to that. It's oh. it's an epic yarn. Oh, okay, okay, great. I re- I just remember it was awesome.
1: I was like, man, this dude is legit. And then I was like, whoa, he's at my church. That's cool.
0: <laughs> so now you fast forward all these years later, are yes. now the junior high school uh, ministry pastor mm-hmm. at uh, Red Mountain Community Church. Yes. Um. So this is something that I'm kind of curious about you. I kind of have to keep up, I suppose, with trends, don't you? Time. Like um s- the social media stuff, which yep. I like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have to do social media for my work yep. related stuff, I would have nothing to do with <laughs> social media. <laughs> yeah. But like so so I'm wondering if you've had that moment yet of feeling old as as a new trend comes along that you don't get. You're like, "Oh, I'm going to have to figure what is this? This is a thing. I got to figure this out, I guess. You know, has there been any trends that have come along in recent years that have seemed a little weird to you? Oh my dude. Yes, there has been. So
1: currently right now, one of the most popular games worldwide is this video game called Fortnite. Um, Pretty much uh, every American kid between the ages of eight and uh, 38 years old, (laughs) seem to be playing it. And so what ends up happening on Fortnite is you have these little emotes, right? Uh, Your little character, your avatar, or whatever that you play with uh, can do these dances. And so by the time I got to junior high camp this year, there was a couple dances that became incredibly popular. Oh, I heard about this. Two of them are called Orange Justice and Hype. So Orange Justice came from a meme on the internet. So I can't keep up with enough memes with my junior highers. Like I love memes. They're just these little (laughs) captioned or... Uh, I don't know, video clips that go viral, and it's basically a giant... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. For those that are like yeah. 50 or 60 and happen go. to be tuning in, what is this viral? They get a virus?
1: Oh, okay. Viral means it is just very... <laughs> oh, wow. Virus. Very <laughs> popular on the internet at a very quick rate of views or clicks or shares. Ah. It, it just sh- blows up, and it becomes this giant internet inside joke. Um, so... What ends up happening is there's this kid who was supposed to win this dance competition and he had this super hilarious dance that was also kind of cool and he didn't win and the internet took that by storm and said, hey, he needs justice delivered to him. And he was wearing an orange shirt, Mm. okay? And so on Fortnite, the game, you have an emote dance that is called Orange Justice and that's pretty much the only thing any of my uh, boy junior hires did this last camp. And there's this other dance called Hype, uh, where you basically swing one of your right feet and uh, or one you swing your right foot and your right hand up at the same time, and then you use both hands and you do this like weird sort of sleigh sort of motion.
0: Oh, I like so wish this was a video or, podcast right yeah, now because I you you want to see you demonstrate this. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: Either way, <sighs> by the time I got to camp, I I started playing Fortnite, but I didn't realize all these dances were so popular. So I kind of felt weird. I was like, well. I kind of have to learn this dance so I can be cool with my like <laughs> junior high boys, and then uh, I spent time away from them to like learn how to do it so they wouldn't make fun of me. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, I had to do it. I had to. And Listen, then I was okay.
0: Like, you've got to do a vlog now, like oh, of where like and you we'll, can we'll you can wait something. and publish all these till yeah. after you're done being a junior high pastor if you want, <laughs> but you've got to document you being man. alone in your bedroom <laughs> trying out these things.
1: Oh man, I remember. Yeah, I would I would try at the cabin. It was like, all right, guys, we'll see you at dinner, and then I had to like learn how to do the hype and the orange justice and <laughs> it was just very like oh man I, I'm not that old but I guess I'm old so yeah yeah there we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you, you played Fortnite yourself then?
1: I do. do you ever yeah. win
0: you ever win a chicken dinner?
1: Oh yeah all the time. Yeah. We get squad dubs the most and then we get duo dubs and I've only won like three or four solos.
0: Okay. So. There you go. For those who have no idea, <laughs> Fortnite is what's called a battle royale game, where like a bunch of players are all entering online into a into the same game space, mm-hmm. and they all have to kill each other. Yes. And the
1: one. It's the, like Hunger uh, Games.
0: Yes, exactly. Hunger Games, the video game, mm-hmm. and the one that survives uh, wins the whole thing, and that's referred to as the chicken dinner. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. Well, now uh, a much more important serious question okay um if you had to choose for the rest of your life would you rather have to always wear wet socks or wet underwear oh man oh man
1: what's been my experience more definitely wet underwear wait wait, what
0: do you mean what's been your experience more
1: i don't know you go to the beach and like if you're wearing underwear and you just walk around in your swim trunks until you get dry, but you're wearing underwear under them,
0: you wear underwear under your swimming trunks. Dude, you just got to be safe. Safe just, from what? Uh, just in case you You got your the netting. There's netting Whoa, under there. Bro,
1: I don't like the nets. I go board shorts. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna actually have to go and say, uh, yeah, wet underwear. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna go there.
0: What's wow. socks the worst. Ugh. But I'd rather wear, well, I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to be doing um, a, a charity fundraising marathon where, okay. that involves staying up all night playing video games in yep. about uh, t- three weeks or so. Well, you do this every year. I think that I'm going to like freeze some socks okay. and then put them on at about the 4 a.m. mark and nice. see how that works for me. And so then maybe I can make a more educated decision about <laughs> this after that. Uh, no. um, all right, earlier today... Ryan and I sat down and had a talk with Chris Bridges, who you might recognize as that Sunday morning worship leader with the nice tenor voice. You know. Chris has an interesting background in that he arrived at putting his trust in Christ after having been raised as a Mormon. Uh, Here in Mesa, the LDS Church is very active and influential in a lot of lives. So we were really interested to hear him talk about what it was like to come to Christ out of that background. Here's that conversation now. We're sitting here talking with Chris Br- Christopher. Christi- does anybody call you Christopher Bridges, or does everyone? Um, is it just Chris Bridges? No, just my mom. What man. is your C- Christian name? Is it? Oh my it's gosh! It's Christopher J. Bridges. Okay, yep. all right, and he's our first uh, guest, first guest on the Living Stones podcast. Um, so. I've known you for a few years now. We've been in uh, like a really ultra nerdy gaming group uh, every month for, has it been like three years, two years? years? Okay. Um, And we've talked like a little bit, like because we've uh, done worship uh, and music stuff together. Um, and i I feel like we talked a little bit about your background with the LDS church briefly, but my memory is terrible. Mm. And so I've really been looking forward to this just to kind of like revisit that and hear a little bit more of your story, um, being uh, raised in a home that uh, was in the LDS church. And then here now you find yourself as a, uh, as a Christian at uh, red mountain community church. And so I kind of want to maybe reconstruct a little bit of the, the timeline and, and have you just kind of walk us through uh, your life story.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, this is going to be sweet, uh, especially growing up in Mesa and going to the same high school, Red yeah. Mountain High School, uh, go Lions. Um, I'm pretty excited <laughs> to just hear about what it was like on the come up for you, man, because um, I was around that world. I wasn't in it, but I was around it for sure.
0: When Ryan was just telling me before you came that... <laughs> I knew you guys were roughly the same age, but I I didn't connect the dots that you guys were going to Red Mountain High School at the the same time. There was just a year apart between you.
1: Yeah. So the first time I met Chris, it was awesome. We were at a spring football and Bridges and Bruchette, they're right next to each other. I was wearing a white headband or like bandana and culturally on the football team, you can only wear a bandana if you're a good skill position player. And so Chris (laughs) turns around, looks at me and goes hey, I noticed you're wearing a bandana. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you better be good then. And I was like, oh, and I wasn't
0: good.
2: So I
1: was like, all right, there we go. It's
2: a good
0: thing I don't remember these things I said when I was <laughs> 17. Dude, no worries, bro. Okay, so walk us back. Um, not necessarily to high school. It could be any time as you think back to like you're living at home with your parents. Um, how involved were you and your family in the LDS church growing up? Um yeah, that's a good question. My
2: family was very involved. Mm. Um, I mean, so I've, I've just to start um, my mom and dad and then I've got an older brother and two older sisters. And, um, and I would definitely say we were like the classic, ideal poster family for the Mormon church. Mm. I mean, we went to church every Sunday. And you know, did all the things that Mormons were supposed to do. We were in—I was in the Boy Scouts, and my dad was the scoutmaster. And my oh, parents man. both volunteered at church. That's so, hardcore. You know, I mean, like when we were vacationing, I remember like finding the LDS Church in whatever town we were in. You know, because yeah, we were we were very very involved. So okay, um, and you know, it, it wasn't just going to church every Sunday. But in the home, we we did our family home evening and our activities and everything that the Mormon Church kind of suggested that families you do. Said family
1: home evening. Yeah. Not.
2: Family home evening. Yeah, let's talk about um, that for a That was every Monday night. It's a cool practice.
0: Um, that's the board. Like that's the, that's the board game night or something, it's right? Like I think I heard board game night. I've heard that like that. Uh, that the like That game. Mormon families have a night of like hanging out and doing stuff together yeah. which I really admire. I would love to. I'm just now getting into playing this really nerdy board game called Hero Quest that my boys really <laughs> like. Okay. And so that is a practice that I'm like, you know, I can get on board with that if we find the right game, but
2: Yeah. No, so board games would be the activity. Okay.
0: So, on family home evening, there oh. were different roles and
2: responsibilities and we had this we had this wooden organizational chart that my dad made where each person had kind of a tile that shifted and hung in different positions. And so there was like, someone was in charge of the prayer, someone was in charge of the lesson, Wowzers. the activity, the dessert. So we all had different rotating responsibilities. Okay, and, and it was, you know, every night we would meet and have family home evening. Okay. And, uh, yeah, like you said, good practice. Yeah, there's some good um, things in that Wooden
1: rotating
2: Oh, what? yeah. So I... <laughs> This is awesome. I love this right now. Everyone had a heart, a big heart, like five <laughs> inches across. And they all had our name painted on it. But my dad had actually carved into the wooden hearts like whatever the kid was about. So like my sister had like a piano on okay. hers. Okay. And wow. I had a I had a long neck dinosaur. Okay. And it was like it was awesome. The tail land stuck out. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was into land before time when I, I feel I was that, kid. dude. Little yeah. foot for sure. <laughs> so yeah so yeah, to answer your question,
0: we were really, really involved as a family okay, so then, given that, mm-hmm. how would you say that being a Mormon affected uh, your feelings about life in general or maybe the priorities that you set for yourself in life um that's a good question um, I mean,
2: everything was Mormon growing up mm-hmm. like and I mean, just like we say as christians like our our um how would you say it? Our, um, identity our identity as a Christian should be like what, what moves us forward down every path we go, everything okay. we do, whether we're uh, you know playing football together at Red Mountain High School, totally. or we're playing board games together, whatever we do, it, we should first you know put our f- foot forward as Christians. Well, like everything as a kid was m- Mormonism. Um, I mean, the, I knew I had my Mormon friends. And so they were a category, Mormon friends. Okay. And then I had my non-Mormon friends. Oh, and then I had my Mormon... suspiciously
1: <laughs> like my Christian friends <laughs> yeah. and my non-Christian yeah. friends. Right.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so. everything was just, you know, categorized by, you know, here's this is my Mormon scout troop mm-hmm. and this is my non-Mormon soccer team. And, um, wow. And so I learned to really, like, as a kid, I mean, I feel like most of my life was really divided in... Here's what's Mormon and mm-hmm. here's what's the world. And um just a lot of our activities and everything that we did um were through the Mormon church. I mean, we were really involved and so mm-hmm. um I mean how I you asked how I viewed life yeah. as a kid. I mean, that's a hard question because I can't say honestly that I spent much time as a nine year old or a 15 year old just <laughs> Not a lot know, of... pondering the meaning of life, but <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I know that there were a lot of rules. Um, Mm. I mean, looking back to when I was a kid, um, I grew up Mormon, but I also grew up Mormon and military, which that combination is pretty much the answer for a lot of my (laughs) oddities and strictness and (laughs) stuff like that. So, Mm. but I do remember, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of rules and, um, you know, stuff that didn't make sense to me a lot as a kid, but I feel like just part of my my early life was waiting between the lines of do's and do nots yeah um
1: wow that's a really good way to put that
2: yeah so looking back on what it was what life was like as a kid
0: i think that's the best way to describe what it felt like growing up more okay more. okay now looking at the at the timeline here i, I mean i got a couple different ways that uh, i kind of want to go here one would be to get uh, your first impressions of a christian church but i also want to know when you started to internally question the teaching of the LDS church. So in, in the timeline of your life, Mm -hmm. which one of those would have come first questioning the teachings of the Um, LDS church or your first impressions of a Christian church? First impressions of a Christian church. Okay. So as, as still a believing Mormon, yes. Uh, your first impression of a Christian church was what? Uh, so I remember the first time,
2: the first time that I remember going to a Christian church with a friend, um, and it was like they're, they were having some sort of a big youth night. Um,
1: <clears throat> Classic.
2: And, <laughs> and I remember <laughs> um, it was worship, and it was cool because there was a band. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is pretty neat. My church doesn't do this. it's a little exciting. And then it was like, why are people raising their hands? Yeah. That freaked me out. Like, sure. I'm just going to be honest. That freaked me out. That freaked
0: me out, too, that. once. Wow. Um, <laughs> But the thing, <laughs> I remember a time when that freaked me out. <laughs> the
2: thing that freaked me out the most though, and I remember this moment specifically is we're in worship and there's a, there's a guy who's older. He's probably not older. He's probably like, he was like Ryan Bruchette, right? Okay. Um, cool. He's Boom, leading five. worship and, and they're singing, they're singing. And then all of a sudden and Lord, we just want to, and everyone's got their heads bowed. Okay. Like mm. they've just moved from singing and he's still like playing his guitar and he just moves into prayer. And mm. and for me, that was freaky because, um, I mean, when you sit in LDS Church for like their meetings, it's very, very formal. Mm. And it's like, okay, like, you know, here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing this song on, you know, hymn, hymn number 374. Yeah. And, then, and then Brother, you know, Johnson is going to come up uh, and give Johnson. our nice. benediction. Okay, <laughs> You know, we're going to say a prayer. And then we'll, so, yeah, I just... I couldn't figure out how everyone knew. Like, okay, bow your head. We're praying. Oh know? yeah. So that was my first impression of a Christian church. And where where did you uh, attend? That there? was in that was somewhere in Kansas City, Olathe, Kansas. Is where okay. I okay. was. Oh, there are a bunch of
0: weirdos the out there. Oh, no. <laughs> Olathe, Specifically. Olathe, yeah, wow. Olathe, Kansas. All
2: right. Um, yeah, and it took it took a while to get used to, kind of just the less formal.
0: Yeah, I, I remember you, men, you mentioning that is really interesting because I, when I was in high school, I uh, had one or two friends over the course of my three years. It was just three years in high school back then, kids. Uh, and then we moved, <laughs> you moved to four later on. But, uh, uh, and, and one or both of them commented on how uh, Bob, our pastor, our lead pastor at the time, would just kind of like unceremoniously, they didn't use that word, but he would just go straight into prayer. And I can't remember if they used the word irreverent, but there was something in the way they they talked about their surprise of that, that like Hmm. it came across to them as, yeah, like being very kind of like casual and very just like, here we go right into it, you know, and that was very surprising to them. And uh, is it is it a thing that uh, to to cross your arms and uh, right hand uh armpit? Right. Okay.
2: Yeah, left hand, right armpit. Okay. Yeah, right arm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not that official, but yeah. When I was a kid, it was fold your arms, bow your head. It's okay. Prayer time. Okay. You know, we have Yo. a we have a system. Okay.
0: You know? Yeah.
2: And prayers were introduced. Okay. You know? So no one was they depressed. were introduced. Okay. They, you know, uh, Jacob is gonna pray for us now. Okay. So everyone, fold your
0: arms. Okay. Bow your head. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So huh. no,
2: that's funny. You, you actually said out. a word that um, not to get confused. off topic, but okay. um, you used the word irreverent. Yeah. Yeah. The word reverent that was like that was at the top of the rule chart. Mm. If you're in church, you are reverent. Gotcha. And, um, you know, and I, I was taught my whole life, like we are reverent because that is how we show God. We respect him because we revere him through, you know, so reverence was a huge part of being a kid. And, and it was hard when I was a kid, you know, sitting in Sunday school, what they call primary. And, you know, I have the jitter feet, Mm -hmm. I swing my feet and, you know, I remember I would always get in trouble because <laughs> I couldn't sit still. I wasn't I wasn't reverent enough.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> uh.
2: that's, yeah, it was interesting to me that you brought up that word.
0: Well, we are kind of prone to extremes, though, aren't we? Because I mean, there's 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 some truth in there that's valuable to us as Christians who go to like a church that is about come as you are and and being relaxed and like you know if we stay in that headspace exclusively, then we lose the reverence you know that mm-hmm. for a holy God you know that we ought to have. So. Uh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to definitely give the impression that I'm poo pooing on, <laughs> on reverence. <laughs> um, OK, so you had that first impression, still a believing um, Mormon. When do you remember that you started to internally question the teaching of the LDS church? And uh, and were there any kind of like people or situations that, that led you to, to start questioning your beliefs? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were a couple
2: of things going on um, in my life when I started to question the Mormon church, I was probably, I think I was right around 16 years old. Um, so one of the most important things was that I was supposed to be preparing for my mission. Um, and you hear this phrase like all the time in Christian church, I heard it then, you know, it was, Hey Chris, like you need to make your faith your own. Don't, you know, don't just piggyback on your parents' faith or. Yeah. You would hear that in Mormon sisters. church as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. I did. Okay. You know? and, and so crazy. there were people saying, okay. Hey, Chris, like here's the church manual, you know, for studying for your mission, uh, you need to read through this manual. and, yeah. you know, and, and study it and, and find your own faith, you know, before you go out on your mission and, and teach other people about the Mormon church. So, um, that was one area that I was, you know, being encouraged even by, you know, the Mormons who were raising me, um, mm-hmm. church leaders and my parents, um, to, to start to make my faith my own. Um, another thing that was going on at that time was that I was a bit rebellious. Okay. Um, sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. I <laughs> I had some issues with, you know, I would, I would sneak out the back door when I was supposed to go to yeah. my, you know, Sunday school class <laughs> okay. and walk around the neighborhood. And <laughs> so I, I was, I was already a little bit mischievous and kind of trailing off the path that I was supposed to be on. Okay. Um, and then the third thing that was going on is I did have, um, Christian friends at school Okay. who were challenging, some challenging me, some loving me, some mm-hmm. loving me and challenging me, <laughs> kind of a combination of in your face and, you know, let me come alongside you, friends. That um, all played a
0: part, I think, in, okay. in, in me. Um, so even like the ones that, oh gosh, I, I hesitate because I don't want to. Like my feeling as I look back on my high school years. You know, I think about how I, I went, I went into a season where I was just studying. The teachings of the L.T.S. church and understanding, you know, its history and just the, the, the flaws and the logic and stuff like that. And so I was just building all this knowledge and I was trying then to baby, basically argue people mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the faith, S- specific people that, you know, I, I yep. felt like we're going to kind of argue back with me. But as I look back on those, those conversations, I wish I could go back and do it again because I'm like, mm-hmm. neither one of us was listening to the other person. Mm-hmm. We were just listening enough to come up with the comeback, you know, that was going to advance, oh, yeah. you know, right, our cool. side of the, you know, whatever. So um so I definitely don't want to like advocate that, but are you saying that like some of those like encounters that I would look back and cringe on that God sovereignly even was able to use that mess um in ways. Okay. Yeah, okay. and
2: I'll explain. I mean, I had I had some friends who I, I remember specifically one friend printed out like a three page packet of like, here's the 20 ways that your church is wrong. Wow. <laughs> you know? And like handed it to me and Whoa. said like, you know, go study this. And wow. I mean, if you want the door slammed in your face, like Good that's exactly what I did. And so, um, so there were those extremes. And then there were also my friends who were just inviting me over to their home, you know, and their parents would just, Just love on me. Yeah, Uh, got to see examples Mm -hmm. of a good Christian home Mm -hmm. and and the differences. Not that, you know, not that I came from a bad home. I came from an awesome home. Sure. Um, But I got to see the differences and see their example. Um, But the funny thing is, is like I do remember um, when I when I was like studying for my mission. For some reason, I kept those papers. Mm. Uh, And I don't say this like to encourage anyone to like print out the twenty questions that (laughs) church is wrong, but. Um, when I did start to think, you know, like, how do I know, how do I know that, you know, the book of Mormon and the Bible go together and are both right. You know, if my friends say there's differences, what are those differences? Uh, you know, it just so happened that I, I was able to use that resource, even though I don't think it was delivered in the right way. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when I think about the people who, you know, gui- guided me along through that time. Uh, some of it was just, and I'm not encouraging missionary dating, but some of it was just I'd I'd follow any cute girl to <laughs> to whatever church she brought me to. Um, so there was there was that part. Um, but then you know I I remember specifically like um, my choir teachers, um, one of my best friends' parents, um, just just older Christian adults who just you know when I was at their house were mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't saying like you know, hey, so, you know, what's it like being Mormon? They were just, they were just loving on me, you yeah. know. And, and those are the ones that, looking back now, um, I think had more impact hmm. than, than I knew at the time.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just being invited into life. Yeah. So you're saying this is starting to stir a lot around the age of 16. So you were already at Red Mountain High School by then,
2: right? It would have been, so, gosh, I graduated when I was young. So it oh, was really? like... Yeah, okay. probably right when I turned 16, I was still in Lubbock, Texas. Oh. Um, that was where a lot of the, yeah, good old Bible Belt. Um, right. That was where a lot of the early stirring happened. Stirrings happened. happened. Okay. Uh, okay.
1: Okay. And so you moved out to Mesa when?
2: Right at the start of my senior year of high school.
1: Okay. Oh. Okay. So you only did senior year at uh, RMHS. Yep.
0: All right. Okay. Yep.
1: Got you. Huh. So.
0: So you've got these uh, these experiences you're having that are putting Christianity in in kind of a, a positive light in some way, and at the same time you're asking some of these questions about is the uh, the teaching of the LDS Church and the Bible are those uh, compatible? So you're starting to have some questions. Did you ever express any of those questions to any other Mormons that you knew, and if so, how how did they respond to those questions?
2: Yeah. So I did, because um, honestly, I was. I wasn't trying to be rebellious when I started really looking into some of the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. I just, some of them were, you know, I thought valid enough arguments that I wanted to dive deeper into them. And so I did Mm -hmm. talk to my Sunday school teachers. I talked to my bishop. Most of those people, if I remember right, most of the the answers that I got were like, oh, well, Chris, you have to have faith. Like, Mm. have faith. It kind of defaults to that. If we can't, if we can't explain why there's these differences, and, and there are some other explanations they use, like, oh, well, the, you know, the Bible the Christians use has been, you know, changed over time mm-hmm. so that, you know, people don't think, mm-hmm. you know, that salvation is free. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. they do have some responses, but then as I dug deeper and tried to get more, you know, explanations and, you know, what I felt more legitimate answers, you know, I, I was met often with, you know, well, you just have to have faith. Um, and then really one huge aha moment, because I think up until this point, I truly believed that the Mormon church was the one and only true church, right? That's like mm. the advertisement for the Mormon church. That's what they say. You know, we're the one and only true church. We have the fully restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and I really didn't doubt that. I just had questions. And then I think like the Second or third time I went to my bishop, um, who leads each ward building, yep. um, to talk to him about him, I, I think I can, was kind of pushing him too hard for an answer, and and he said, "Look, Chris, the Mormon Church says we're the one and only true church with the fully restored truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if one thing is wrong, then how can how can how can that be right? That you know it's the tr- it's the full truth. If one thing is wrong, and I think he was kind of." trying to challenge me to just like get back in line
0: you Mm. know but he was setting up a house of cards too it (laughs) sounds like like that
2: yeah and then that's like when it all you know in my mind i was like oh my gosh like he kind of has a point Mm. you know and and that's when you know maybe then i was just focused on like one or two different differences Mm -hmm. or questions that i had Mm -hmm. and that's when i was like oh man like what about all these other questions I have? And that's when I really, really started digging and reading my Bible for the first time. And I think in that period of time, one of the things that helped me the most is that for whatever reason, I decided that when I read the Bible, I would take it literally. Okay. And rather than just, you know, well, just have faith, Chris, you know, yeah. or someone probably changed that along the way. And, and that's why it says that when mm-hmm. the Book of Mormon says this. And, and in taking the Bible... Seriously, I did identify differences between the two religions um, and their doctrine, and what the Bible said versus what the Book of Mormon said. And yeah. the more I found, and you know, took notes, and you know, I, I had a list of all the different things that um, I found were conflicting, hmm. you know, between the two religions. Um, that's when that's when I really started to to pray and kind of open myself up to, well, what if what if Mormonism isn't know true what if what if the bible is true and mormonism isn't true Hmm. um so yeah that's what was going on
1: dude so do you have any recollection or memory of one of those first major questions that sent you down the rabbit hole or maybe you said you had that uh kind of like ultimate um confrontation with that uh leader that you were just talking about about how he just said well chris if this falls apart everything will fall apart do you remember a question in mm-hmm. that series of questions that you like vividly go, oh, that started this thing for me?
2: Yeah. Um, honestly, the biggest one that I latched on to, um, although I didn't really, I didn't understand. Even when I even when I decided I would trust the Bible, I really didn't fully understand and still don't. Okay. But it was the Trinity. Um, ah, wow. I really wanted to figure out the Trinity because okay. um, Mormons very clearly teach that, hey, Jesus was just like us. Only difference is he did it perfect. And that's how he gotcha. got to be a God. A God. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Not
1: second person or not part of co equal, co eternal.
2: Right. And okay. so and so the verse that that I read over and over and over again and said, this is what the Bible says and it's I mean, sometimes it's hard to interpret the Bible, but this seems pretty clear was um John one one. And 14. So in the beginning Mm. was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hmm. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. And it was like, oh, wow. So, I mean,
1: I've said, wow, there it is. It's like Trinity,
2: (laughs) Trinity existing. Yeah. Before Christ's birth. And yeah, um, so that oh, was, that man. was one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a lot, I mean, there's all these, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff with, Oh, well, you know, the, the Spanish introduced horses in, you know, the <laughs> country and, you know, you know, and, and yeah. then Mormons in the book of Mormon say that they had horses. And so there's like all sorts of like archeological evidence, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. and a lot more questions of doctrine and, and, and just things that the Mormon doctrine adds to yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that you know, was all part of kind of just that period of studying yeah. and trying to find answers.
1: And this might be rabbit hole, too, but do you have any brief thoughts on maybe like the Pearl of Great Price or uh, oh. Joseph Smith, like the Brigham Young oh, uh, editions or the Joseph Smith editions of extra biblical, extra Mormon teaching? Do you or yeah, do you have yeah, a recollection yeah, yeah. of that so
2: at all? I, I do um, some. I mean, what I would say about that is um, so the Book of Mormon, there's the Book of Mormon. Yep. The Pearl of Great Price okay. and Doctrine and Covenants.
1: All right, and those. Um, so that's Moroni, and then Pearl of Great Price is Joseph Smith.
2: Yeah, man. Look and at,
1: then uh and Covenants. Yeah, that's, that's Brigham Young.
2: That's more Joseph Smith than mm-hmm. Brigham Young. Okay, got um, you. Yeah, and and so it's just kind of this extended revelation, right? Okay. Um, and so what I yeah I mean my thoughts on it yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and kind of still now, like you take the Book of Mormon, that first book, and and there's lots of. Um, different books within that just like we have our prophets and stuff Mm -hmm. um all those stories in there seem normal like they they honestly they jive with bible stories for the most part Mm -hmm. you could you can mix them into the bible and And someone who doesn't know their bible well enough i mean they would they would would all jive it would would be pretty cool and then and then yeah pearl great price and dnc that's where when you're when you're studying certain issues that's Mm -hmm. where some of the stuff that honestly, I think most Mormons don't know about their churches. Gotcha. Um, I don't know how- And I don't know it. if that's cliche, because I
1: hear people say, well, most Mormons might not know that, but then mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know that. So it's qu- kind of cool hearing that from you. Yeah. Um, also for clarity, guys, when Chris just said how we have our prophets, uh, he's meaning like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel-
0: The dead uh, guys. The dead guys, <laughs> right, yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, not necessarily like we have other like current, like, oh, this person's a prophet right now, yeah. we have them. Like, and like you in and that. Bob. Yeah, me. <laughs> oh, man, oh man, dude. Sorry. Farming, dude. The
0: profit of the farm. Uh, all right. Okay, so you've you had all these questions you were asked uh, you were asking those in your life for answers, but ultimately you're kind of met with a place where like uh they couldn't take you any further or mm. or in the example of the one that that you talked to that kind of realized there was a house of cards set up. So at some point you must have conclusively arrived at a place where you realized I don't, I don't believe this anymore. Or or would you say that there was a point um, or is it so gradual you can't tell? I guess what I want to know is what was it like to arrive at the point where you realized, I don't believe that the things I was raised to believe are true. Mm, Man. What what did that, what did that feel like?
2: Yeah. Um, I'll back up a little further before I answer that. Yeah. Um, because I was studying the doctrine, but I was still 16, 17 years old. There were a lot of cute girls in Mormon church. There were some cute girls of like I, I honestly I I hadn't I hadn't really made up my mind on if I was going to leave the Christian church based off or the, the Mormon church based off of their doctrine and the issues I found in their doctrine. OK, um, really, what did it is is along that journey. Um, and, and I'll take you back to a moment. I I did follow this girl to her youth group or something Mm -hmm. one time and and it was worship and it was probably like my fourth or fifth time in a youth group setting worship yeah and uh and so i was i was used to most of it um but something stuck out like really far during that um during that time of worship and and the band was singing how he loves um Mm.
1: oh yeah dude
2: I
0: mean that song He loves us yeah. So how that one? Exactly. Sloppy Wet okay. kiss, Exactly <laughs> Or
1: Unforeseen Kiss. The yeah great I forget the if it was Sloppy Wet Yeah, kiss, who but, knows? Um,
0: <laughs> but I
2: remember everyone in that room, like everyone in that room, with their arms wide open singing, He loves us. Oh how he loves us. Oh mm. how he loves us.
1: He's a setup man. Mm-hmm.
2: Um and that was my aha moment. It wasn't it wasn't my issues with I mean like the doctrine really, it was, it was at that moment, I realized I was missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, like I yeah, <laughs> we're rocking it. Yeah. I, I had been raised to, you know, revere God, mm-hmm. uh, to respect God, to follow the rules because I want to go to heaven. Um, Dude, but I wasn't really, you know, even to pray to Lord. God, you know, we Man. start and end every service with a prayer Um, but I was never really taught to, that I could have a relationship with God Hmm. that, you know, I, I obviously knew that, oh, like God loved me. So he put together this plan so that I could, you know, come live in heaven one day. Yeah, the strategy Um, for sure. So I, you know, but that was the extent of like God's, God's love for me and, and how much I heard about that growing up. Um, and so just to, just to see everyone in that room during that time of worship, I, I could tell that I was missing something. And that was my aha moment of like, wh- what, if I have the, if I go to the church with the fully restored truth, right. The yep. one and only true church, how am I missing something? Mm. Um, whew. and it was something big. Cause I mean, I was a rebellious teenager trying to find love in all the wrong places or whatever. And, and, and in that moment, I just wanted to know what that felt like. Mm. Um, so that was really my big moment. Um, and, and then, you know, that and so through studying and, and trying to, you know, praying in, in an intentional way, trying to actually connect with God, um, realizing that, that, you know, it wasn't just me doing my, you know, checklist of praying before bed, but really yeah. talking to God and trying to develop this relationship with God. That was, that was all part of the process that led me to eventually just surrendering my life um, to Jesus and and saying like, hey, I I believe. And and at that time, you know, like <laughs> I was still Mormon. Like I'm gonna be honest. Like I prayed the prayer, but I was still Mormon. It was it was years before <laughs> I I truly understood what it meant to to be a Christian and <laughs> and and before I really knew the Bible. I mean, I remember after a, a year after I you know made that decision, I would still show up to church and, and think like, oh yeah, that one verse is, reminds me of this. And then I'd go look it up and it'd be like, second Nephi. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. oh um, <laughs> 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 awkward. I need to, <laughs> I need to figure out the difference, you know. <laughs> and so, gotcha. yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of how that step of the journey went.
0: Did but, that answer your question? Yeah, or? I think so. That what's, what's really interesting to me about your story is that it's not, um, it's not like decisively broken up into these kind of sequential moments. There's all this kind of overlapping, like you said, like, like you were still in your mind, a, a Mormon, but at the same time, you had uh, embraced this thing um, about God that was not being emphasized or maybe taught in the Mormon church. And so it wasn't, it doesn't sound like there was a sequence of, okay, I don't believe the Mormon church. And now what else is there? Oh, there's this thing. But it was while you were a believer in the Mormon church, you were kind of being wooed mm-hmm. um, over to uh, the, the Christian faith. Right. Um, and uh, so that, that sequence is really interesting to me. So it wasn't like, cause, cause I'll hear sometimes of, of uh, Mormons who question their faith and they realize, okay, what I believe is not true, but that they don't become a Christian as a result of that. In fact, they can have kind of a feeling of, you know, once bitten, twice shy. It's like, okay, you know what? This was all baloney. So now all of the God talk everywhere to be found is, is baloney, you know, but that's, that wasn't your experience.
2: No. And, and honestly, I, 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 know people who are in that situation, you know, um, I mean, yeah, family. I have family that are in that situation where, you know, and I understand, um, because, because in Mormonism, most Mormons, my family specifically, you're really all in, you know? Mm. And, and so all of your activities and all the service, cause they're huge on serving and service, serving others, giving of your time. Um, so I, I do know people who spend a lot of time giving, giving their life, um, pouring into the Mormon church and, um, and you know, after, after leaving, you know, exactly, exactly that. And I would say that the reason, the reason I didn't fall into that category is really because I, I left it falling in love with Jesus and wanting more, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I really did. I, I told my parents, I think when I was 17, Hey, I don't believe in this church anymore. I don't want to go here anymore. Is that
1: terrifying to do?
2: It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was because so I'm the youngest of four, okay, um, and and I've got only one other brother, and you know, big thing in the Mormon church is, and you know, go serve your mission, you know, and um, and my brother joined the military, yeah, and. Um, and so I kind of felt like I was my family's last shot at like having the oh. son who goes on his mission mm. and comes back and goes to BYU and gets married second semester and cranks out six beautiful <laughs> there children. There it is, dude. Oh, man. Um, Down
1: <laughs> the plan, the strategy right there for
2: Yeah. And so so I really did feel like I was going to be disappointing my parents. Um, mm. and, and the one thing that I found comfort in when I told them that was, you know, I, I, I told them, I was like, hey... I, I don't believe in this anymore, but like, I want to know God better. I want to know him more. Like, mm. I'm not going to stop coming to church and just go, you know, like oh, go, well. go find myself in the world. Like I'm I'm going to be down the street, you know, at yeah. church on Sunday, just not your church. Mm. Um, and, and they honestly took it, um, well, fairly well after a little while. Okay. Um, my parents nice. have
0: been, <laughs> nice. have been pretty supportive, honestly. Um mm, uh, Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then, in the timeline, um, because again, I I, I'm at a crossroads here. I got two different places I Mm can go. First, we have a a a a listener who wants to know how you got involved with Red Mountain Community Church. Mm -hmm. But then, I also want to know what were some things or maybe some people uh, that influenced you or, or led you to have that moment where you first expressed. Full dependence on Jesus for your forgiveness and eternal life, as opposed to depending on anything that you could add to that equation to make eternal life yours. But that moment where he said, "You know what? I can't. This right. is all Jesus. He's do. He does all this for me." You know. Mm-hmm. So what were? So which one of those came first? You you getting involved in some way uh, and connected to Red Mountain Community Church, or having that? That moment, no,
2: I would say that um, I mean honestly, Red Mountain. I've been here since I left the Mormon Church. Okay, so,
0: this was the church down this the street. Was
2: the, this was the church down okay. the street. Yeah. Okay. The <laughs> church down the street. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, really, Red Mountain is where I learned more about my Christian faith. Um, when I was going through that phase of, like, oh shoot, I believe, you know, in, in Christ from the Bible. But I still operate my daily life as a Mormon. Red Mountain was really where I, I learned okay, um, yep. about that faith. Um, now, people that led me along the way. Um, yeah, and actually, let me make sure I answer that question. I how I found Red Mountain. I didn't have like a. You know, Road to Damascus experience.
0: You didn't, you didn't see the I, drop horse. I, I you didn't wandered. see the shaft of light coming down the property. Scales yeah. in the eyes. Wandered
2: blind down Record Road, and then my eyes were opened. And Redmond, no, honestly, a, a girl from high school invited me to Redmond Church. I and, probably know her,
1: but I will yeah. not name drop now. Okay. Um,
2: and that's and you know I came to the youth group, and and then it was funny because I think that friend was still in high school, at, right when I graduated, and and i was like uncomfortable with like diving in without friends i was really just Mm -hmm. following friends here okay and um and so mark staples at the time
0: like allowed me i got his sign off on and for those for those who have never heard that name before who is mark staples
2: um he was the youth pastor at that time uh 2009 ish yep Um, and yeah, so he, he signed off and said, okay, I know you are not in high school. You can keep coming. Uh, You know, he must've understood the situation. I'm sure some people did him off. Good on him. Um, so I, I went to, you know, I was a super senior at Red Mountain Community Church. There you go. There you go. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. and, And so the rest is history from there as to how I found, um, Red Mountain. Um, and you also asked me. Kind of what, what people were influential in the, my decision-making. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there are a lot of people. There were, um, there were some people that, um, you know, I followed the church here and there or, you know, invited me something or, you know, or gently asked me questions or threw 20 page papers in my face about (laughs) what (laughs) my my religion was. There, I, I can't there were a lot of people, honestly, there were a lot of friends, parents, um, who, who just kind of showed me who, who, who continued to remind me that question. What am I missing? You know, why do I, why do I go to my friend's house? And when they pray, it sounds like they know Jesus, you know, when their prayers are less formulated, they're talking, they're actually talking to someone. Mm. Um, and, and just loving me so well. And, you know, that mixed with the friends who were giving me questions, whether it was in the right way or the wrong way, um, you know, putting questions in my mind. God was, like you said, there were so many layers of things happening at that time. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I feel lucky because I think that, um, that truly, truly it was the right place. It was the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it was, it was so fortunate that, I, these questions, um, were presented to me before I got on my mission, you know, cause I think there are a lot of Mormons who probably do have questions, yeah. but, yeah. but they feel like they're too, too, too far in, mm. you know, to back out yeah. because they're, they're, kids, soccer teams and boy scout troops and totally. everything, everything's wrapped up in the Mormon church and, and they might find, you know, pieces of doctrine that they don't agree with. But, um, you know, but they can't they don't feel like they can uproot their entire family because they have a couple questions and so yeah. they they push those to the side and mm. and so really I was just so fortunate that you know I I grew up a military brat and so I was used to moving every 2 years and so okay. like I knew I knew that when I decided I wouldn't be Mormon again anymore that um that all the Mormon friends that I had from school would probably stop hanging out with me mm. um and that was exactly what happened like I mm. mean they
1: not even cliche I mean yeah they
2: didn't they didn't do it in a mean way I just stopped getting invited to things okay um oh the
1: slow burn huh yeah the runaround
2: yeah but you know I I knew when I made that decision um it was the right thing to do but I also was you know God had put me in a position where I was I knew I would be able to make new friends yeah um and you know my brothers and sisters had gone before me and gotten tattoos before me and mm-hmm. I knew that they'd forgive me if I was still going to church down the street and, you yeah. you know, so I, I knew at that time that I could, there wasn't a lot of risk for me. Um, which I mean, that sounds, that's like a sad thing. Like I, I wish there had been more risk and I'd still chosen Jesus, but, um, fortunately
0: then that would be super, super impressive.
2: Yeah, it would be, so <laughs> <impressive>. <laughs> but, but fortunately just at that point in my life, everything lined up hmm. Um, and, and all the glory goes to God. He, he arranged this whole thing and, and, wow. you know, and brought me here. And, and so,
0: yeah, that's, that's how it all went down. Um, so I, I think I, I, you talked a little bit about like what it was like to, uh, with, what happened with your relationships with friends, um, w- And I think I know part of the answer to this because it sounds like you've got a pretty good relationship with your family. Like, how would you say in general in terms of your relationship with family and friends who are still today believing Mormons? You know, how how have your relationships been specifically in light of uh, you uh, stepping away from the the Mormon church? So I don't have many connections
2: still to people within the Mormon church. Um, And that's, I mean, that's part of a lot of time has gone by. There were a, a few friends that, you know... Um, i hung on to after all that um now my mom and dad both left the mormon church um shortly after probably about a year after i think my dad hung on a little longer and um oh, you know that's I, pretty I, quick yeah it is and you know and i haven't sadly i haven't spent much time talking to them about um how they processed all that and and what their feelings and beliefs were at that time mm-hmm. um from my perspective. Uh, what I kind of felt it was like was um, that maybe they'd spent the last twenty six odd years, you know, raising this what was the perfect Mormon family, right? Yeah. Um, huh. Every Sunday, showing up to church, yeah. fingernails are clean, you know, hair <laughs> smells like shampoo, yeah. and we really, we really were, you know, yeah, the, like you said the, at the poster beginning of
1: the interview, yeah, yeah, like the poster child sort of like this is it this yeah. is what the mormon picture is
2: exactly and and i think that by the time i turned 18 and and there weren't already 32 grandchildren and four mm. diplomas from byu like <laughs> and and all this all this stuff yeah. that isn't jesus that the mormon church puts hope in mm. um i think by the time kind of those walls came crashing down i think my that that's probably what um led my parents to question their beliefs in the Mormon church as well.
1: Hmm. A very articulate way to put that, all the things the Mormon church that puts their hope in that isn't Jesus, you said? Right, yeah, because, wow.
2: I mean, when you think about the Mormon church, most people who live in Mesa mm-hmm. have Mormon friends, Mormon colleagues. Um, it's a very um, community-driven religion. Um, they're very they're very driven by how other people see them. Okay, and And, you know, there's so many not promises that are like, you know, written down like, Oh, like plan of salvation. You'll have at least four kids go to BYU. Um, but, Uh but there are things that, you know, Mormons see other good Mormons doing, um, the paths that they follow. And, Mm. and I mean, I remember, I remember when, uh, before me, my brother and sister did some minor rebelling. Um, and I remember seeing how torn up my mom was, knowing that she had to go to Release Society, to her women's group. Um, and there were other mothers who knew what was, what was going on with my siblings and knew the drama. Oh, and boy. I just, I remember seeing my mom's like shame and anxiety in that. Mm. Um, hmm. And so, so yeah, it's, it, yeah, it is like, what are we putting our hope in? You know, is it is it so that we can proudly walk into Release Society because... Yeah you know, we have four kids who left the house and they're all still going to LDS church and having mm-hmm. Mormon babies? Or, you know, is it wherever our kids are yeah. that they have a relationship with Christ?
0: Yeah. Got it. So you've, this was, I mean, this was such a major part of your upbringing. Um, and so there's a question here it's from someone else at RMCC that I think is a really good one. Uh, they ask, is there anything about your relationship with God or your view of the world right now that is still affected by what you were taught growing up LDS. Is there anything that kind of clings? Oh I wish I wish my wa- I wish <laughs> I saw my your face, yeah. change. I was like, oh man. I wish, here we go. I wish my wife was here to answer this question.
2: Cause she <laughs> she's got me pinned down on all the ways that <laughs> I still sometimes you know act like a Mormon. Okay. Um, I'll start off with the funniest one. Okay. Um, <laughs> She has this theory, um, (laughs) because she grew up in Mormon Mesa and had a ton of Mormon friends Mm -hmm. and, and her mom always kept a candy jar out on the table and, um, you know, M&Ms, jelly beans, whatever. And she'd have her Mormon friends would come over and- and they would attack the candy jar because, like, at their houses, they didn't have a candy jar. Oh. Um, and whoa, so they just polish every the time, they would just polish off like all the jelly beans. <laughs> and, um, and my wife always laughs at me because, like, I grew up the same. Like, we didn't have sugary cereal. Mm. And, and this is all stuff that's not like Mormon doctrine. It's just like the, you know, their cultural thing, cultural, or something? clean living, like, like great things.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: But I, I do this, I go over to my mother in law's house. And I clean out her MM, clean M&M out jar. The <laughs> every jar dude. She's like, nice. And Every time Kenzie's like, you remind me of, of my you know, eight-year-old Mormon friends when I was a kid. Um, anyway, that's a funny thing that she said. But there's honestly, <clears throat> there is a lot. Um, and it, like I said, it was it was a process. Um, and I'm still, still in that process. Um, but the biggest thing is that um In the Mormon religion, like one of the main differences between like who Jesus is, is that, you know, we believe that Jesus died for our salvation. And it's this gift that we receive when we choose to believe in him and put our faith in him. Um, Mormons believe that 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 is exactly what it is. Jesus died to he's more like he's more like the key to the door. Okay. And but there's so many steps along the way. Like you, you have to get baptized. You have to, you know, I I mean, it's all these lists of to do's, Mm. um, baptism, Christian, great. Um, you know, they, they, you know, things like serving your mission, maybe not 100% necessary, Mm -hmm. but you know, being sealed to your family in the temple. If Mm. you want to go to heaven with your family, um, being a full tithe payer, if you want to go to the temple, there's Mm. all these kind of steps along the way that, you know, when you get to that door, the key will be there for you, but, but you still have to get your way
0: to that Mm. door. There's a lot of, I mean, they, they really are a works-based faith. Mm -hmm. Um, so in what form does that kind of in some way cling still? Um, well, I, I honestly, I find myself
2: like often just working for my salvation. Yeah. Like I, I mean, we all do that. It's yeah. Oh, a human I, to- thing. I, totally,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but that that took me a long time. Honestly, it took me a long time to really believe. Mm-hmm. Like even if I, even after I made the decision, um, it took me a long time to really actually not just say it with my lips, but believe it in my heart.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or if not like working for our salvation or our justification, there are things that we just naturally feel drawn to work for to. Earn for ourselves that really are just gifted to us, or that we really just ought to be leaving in God's hands, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There was there was one um, instance, and this was like, I was an intern for the college group at this time. This was uh, four years ago. Uh,
1: four years, 2013, 2012. Yeah,
2: it was like it was like four-ish years ago. Okay. Um, and the uh, pastor of the college group at that time was Steve Madunio, and. Um, I remember at that time there was this one person who kept showing up to college group. He was well connected in the church, but he was kind of, he was kind of a troublemaker. He was a guy that always wanted to laugh, wanted to have fun. Um, And I was like trying to help Steve run a serious program. (laughs) And and I remember one day I was just, I was kind of complaining to Steve about this guy. I was like, what are we going to do with this guy? Like he's a distraction. Mm. He, you know, like sometimes I feel like the group would be just better if he wasn't here. Mm. Like, So (laughs) obviously my heart wasn't in the right place, (laughs) but, um, but Steve said something to me at that time that like will always stick with me. And it reminded me that, that I'm still, I'm still a work in process Mm -hmm. and there's still things that are buried deep inside of me, you know, from the way that I was raised that are going to find their way out. And, um, and what Steve said to me is he said, he said, do you think that person has any less value because he's not producing mm. something good yeah mm. like he he challenged me he said like mm. that's not true chris like you have to see that person the way christ sees that person which is the same way christ sees you you know because we were all dead in our sins yeah and that's when christ died for us um so that was just a huge moment that that reminded me i mean i was an intern at red mountain right oh yeah. uh-huh. uh, i'd passed a couple tests and um <laughs> and then steve hit me with that one and and I it mean, was it was, was, was humbling
0: it was humbling to say the least Uh yeah dude yeah what um what what would you say has been helpful to you you know you commented that you're still on this journey what's been helpful to you as you continue growing on your journey with christ what kinds of things or people or any anything that comes to mind um wow that's a good question um one of the
2: things that i've always loved about red mountain um and it was attractive to me at the beginning because i felt like i had so much to learn. Yeah. Um but i i love how at red mountain our pastors when they preach are not putting on a show. Like mm. um i feel that the pastors here are truly bible educators. You know. And yeah. and so i feel like one of the the biggest um ways that i've continued to grow over time is by coming here and and learning from um You know, the pastors here who have gone to school, who have studied the Bible, um, that's huge. Um, Reading on my own, which I still have so much work to do, but, you know, just continuing to be in the Bible and try to remember the things that God has taught me before, find new things, um, and just being involved. um, Mm. Just in general, being involved. uh, Walking through life with the church community. Mm -hmm. um, Having people in my life who are mentors to me, um, mm-hmm. uh, having, you know, people who I can be a mentor to, um, mm-hmm. just diving into that process, I think is what's just continued to help me along on this path.
0: All right. Cool. This has been really cool, man. I'm so glad that, uh, we had this great excuse to s- sit you down and so I could hear this stories of things that I've, you know, thought about a couple of times I think of you. And, uh, so I appreciate you just being willing to come and just kind of Put it all on the table, you know, and expose yourself. <laughs>
2: Whoa. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, well, thank you. I mean, I, I am truly blessed by um, just a God who loves me and, and found me and, and has put me in a place where I can uh, be growing and learning and, and being in a relationship with him. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I got this opportunity to share my story, hang out with you guys. Um, and, and, you know, I would say there's, there's a lot more details to that story. Um, and I'm totally open, uh, to sharing more of my story anytime anyone wants to
0: ask. Cool. Thanks again, man. Yeah, dude. This is awesome. Yeah.
1: Glad to be here with you.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, <laughs> Peter. That was a cool conversation. Um,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: What, uh, as you think back, what stood out, if anything, to you about that?
1: One of the things that is fascinating to me, and I think Chris articulated this so well, was when he said, especially in the community aspect of the LDS church, all the things you worship that aren't Jesus— or all the things that offer salvation that aren't Jesus, and just sort of tokens or rites of passage. Um, He he laid it out perfectly. The, man, I I wanted, my parents maybe have wanted the four kids who got Bible degrees at BYU or got degrees at BYU, um, and then ended up having six kids and kind of continuing on this uh, Mormon ideal or this Mormon... Uh, projection and and even the the token or the rite of passage of going on the mission and just being able to go to your women's group community and the LDS church and say hey look my, my kids are doing this all right and uh, when he mentioned his mom having the anxiety about Chris wanting to leave from that yeah um, and just the he said specifically shame and anxiety about that because she would have to go and talk about that and whatever her group was mm. I I I have an idea maybe of what that's um, uh, what that's like, what he's trying to communicate. Cause I've had Mormon friends, but for him to even say that from his own point of view and to feel the letdown when I asked him like, man, was that terrifying when you had to tell your parents like, hey, I want to um, move into a different sort of avenue of my relationship with God and I'm going down the street. And he said, yeah. Um, and the kind of the letdown or the, the sadness coming from his parents was something I, I didn't even think about that as he was talking about all the subtle little tokens and things that are done in, on top of worshiping Jesus in the, in the LDS community.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, there was a lot of things that were interesting to me about his story. I, the, 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 I mentioned this in the interview, but the, just how there was kind of like this overlap of Mm -hmm. different things happening in his life, these different layers of things that were going on. It wasn't, you know, this cut out and dried, okay, you know, uh, linear process of Mm -hmm. of going from belief in the LDS teaching to uh, biblical faith in Christ. It was uh, this very slow, layered, overlapping kind of transition. Mm -hmm. And it was also interesting to hear the different things that played a part you know that uh, the, the 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 factual information the the more like uh, intellectual or logical types of questions those were important they played a role but i mean you heard how significant yeah. it was to him To have had these experiences, um, these very just authentic, down to earth experiences with other Christians and seeing their their faith and how it was just related to their everyday life. It was this very natural, casual, organic type of thing, you know. And uh, and so I really appreciated just seeing the value that that had in his experience and the impact that it had, you know. Things that uh, you know that I wouldn't have thought when i was in high school or even in college were the more important things that my lds friends should hear or know about or, yeah. or experience or whatever just you know? the
1: song how he
0: loves yeah you know and i you know i honestly when he said that i was i was like i find that song a bit repetitive you know yeah, for sure
2: absolutely. <laughs> but for
0: him for him that refrain was emphasizing something that had not been emphasized in his yeah. life and so it was really powerful Brilliant. to him and so uh that was really yeah, that was really cool to hear.
1: Yeah, I can't, and even too, just the reality that he didn't just get argued in. Yeah. Even though he was handed the 20 question packet with all of the objections and the here's why you should, uh, there was all these things weaving, like you said, to to set him up um, into uh, finding what was missing about his relationship with God. And I think that speaks volumes to even how, even some of my students, and even as I dialogue with my students who are always asking me questions in my junior high staff about, man, how do I talk to my Mormon friends about this? How do we do that? We never want to emphasize on the side of just go get the facts and data and hammer it out and try to argue someone in because that just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and even too, I'm thinking in that same tone, I'm sitting here listening to myself say all these things that, we, that the Mormon church would worship on top of Jesus, or beside Jesus, I can even look at my own heart, and I can look at myself, and go, "What are the tokens of being a evangelical Christian, or just follower of Jesus, that I associate with my faith now that actually don't really have much to do with Jesus? Um, like the style of clothes I wear, or the type of worship I'm listening to." Um, the kind of Instagram posts we have. There's so many little subtle things that like cool Christians my age do, um, that are kind of the badges of what it's like to be, uh, quote, woke or, yeah. um, I don't know, uh, in. And so I'm just, uh, I'm very impressed by, um, just his recollection of all those things. And it's, it's challenging me right now as we speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Well, thank you again, Chris. For uh, if you're listening, for uh, being a part of that, that was that was really cool. I'm going to make a really uh, rough, hard transition into something substanceless now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> substance And yet we care. We do care. Someone cares about this because we put a poll up. And so we wanted responses and we got responses on uh, our Facebook and uh, Twitter pages. Uh, We're on uh, Twitter at MyRedMTN. Yes. And uh, you can also check out our Facebook page. That's the Red Mountain Community Church Facebook page. We put a, a poll up asking, how do you feel... About and this is important stuff about the in and out that's being built oh, uh, just across the way from Red Mountain Community Church. Seventy-five percent, yes, dude. described themselves mm-hmm. as unbelievably excited. Wow, unbelievably excited, unbelievably, and twenty-five percent said indifferent. They were indifferent, indifferent. Wowzers. Yeah,
1: okay. where where would you put yourself? I'm going to go ahead and put myself on the unbelievably excited. Uh, really? Throw that up to 76%. Actually, that doesn't add up to. Are, um, you, so. are,
0: you, a, are you a burger and fries no, guy? No, what's
1: funny is I actually just switched to being vegetarian a couple months ago when I got home from Kenya. Uh, my body was just like, hey, you should probably stop eating meat now. And I was like, all right. Um, but here's the thing. I can eat animal style fries and those are legit, especially mm. at In-N-Out. So, yeah, there's no meat on them. Ah, Yeah, so I'm excited for that.
0: Well, and it's also somebody, isn't somebody in that organization a Christian? So doesn't that mean it's supposed to taste better to us or something? Yeah,
1: for sure. If you drink a Sprite that has John 3.16 at the bottom of the cup, it's, yeah. like, oh, it's more holy and just tastes better.
0: You can get baptized with that, I think.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> baptized that in and out
0: <laughs> I've seen it. Um, let's see here. We also had people that we gave people the option to submit your own word to describe how you feel about the in and out, wow. uh, coming and we being did built. That, huh? And so we got some choice ones here. Let's get it. Yeet, yeet, chicken feet. Oh, okay. Worried. <laughs> yeet, yeet, chicken. Yeah. I don't I'm know. Is that a, it. Is that a thing?
1: Uh, I mean saying yeet. It's just a, a yeet. A, that's the thing. Saying yeah, yeet. Yeeting. Okay, uh, junior a, high some, pastor. What some, is that? Yeah. So yeeting describes some sort of uh, intense movement in some way, shape, or form that was slightly unexpected but still uh, very called for in the moment. So you can. So just, wait
0: a minute. So like. Yes. When you go clunk, 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 yeet. Oh, that's a yeet moment because it's a jack in the box
1: yeets out of the box 100%. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And then you can yeet over to In and Out once it opens and get some animal style fries. Okay. I love this. I love this. All right. So then
0: the next one we had was worried. Worried? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a story there. There's got to be. The next word was yay, with three A's and three exclamation points. Man, that's intentional. Followed by finally, with one exclamation point. Yep. Um, And then after that. We deserve this, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by hungry. 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 Okay. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's straight data. Um, Oh, and this one this is uh, interesting. Uh, Overwhelmed because traffic will be insane. It alone. is a, it is a bit of a pain, like coming out when if yeah. like, if you really want to bolt right after the service, True, the lunch, um, the, the which you don't get to do, because you're, you're, unless you're running off to lunch with, with kids, maybe. Yeah. But you're usually, you know, not the first out of the Ooh. gate, but, to, and we aren't either, but today we yeah. were, cause I was yeah. wanting to get home and get lunch made really fast. Mm-hmm. And when you're really trying to get out right away, there's that awkward thing where you're, you're driving out and like, you're coming out of the parking lot. You want to turn left to get out mm-hmm. to the main street, but there's people coming from the other parking lot that are already making their way to that yeah. main street, and you have to wait and see if they're going to be Christian enough Oof. to slow Stick down to and wave Fantastic. you on so that they get the extra points from <laughs> oh, God. man, right? you know it, dude. I've been
1: there. See, those are those tokens. Again, Yeah. here we go. Man, that's really funny. Uh,
0: but that is going to make—that th- could make things a little more insane. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last word was stoked. Stoked. Okay. Um, I'll take it. So, do we... Jessica, do we have another poll question this week? Uh, yeah, but we don't know what it is. yet. Okay, we don't know what the poll question is, but it's going to be fascinating. It's, and I
1: hope one of the answers are yeet.
0: Yeah, it's going to be all the buzz around Red Mountain Community mm. Church campus uh, by this time next month. So, be sure that you uh, follow us on Twitter, at RedMTN, and uh, visit our Facebook page, the Red Mountain Community Church Facebook page um let's see here. did i cover all the things that the cool kids are wanting us to talk about and do their social medias yeah we got
1: my red mtn for twitter right did i I say that i think you said red mtn it's okay
0: my my red where's the thing at my red mtn yes there we go at my red mtn okay
1: (sighs) oh Uh, and instagram which is my red MTN. Don't be
0: throwing me your social media curveballs. Oh,
1: Arian just, you know, waved me down. Oh. Let me know.
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. We are, now this is where my notes say wrap up. Maybe I'll come up up with a better transition next time. But on our next episode, we're going to be talking with Jenny Hewlock, another member of the church, about uh, just kind of a life of faith lived out over the course of decades. Um, if you have any thoughts to share or questions you'd like to ask on that topic, you can leave them on the podcast page under the resources tab hmm. at rmchurch.org. Is my getting that right? rmchurch.org. Uh, and you may just hear your thought or question read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. I'm Ryan Bruchette. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you on Sunday. Michael, check. Check Michael too. I have a tully ache. Michael, check. What? <laughs> Only Peter. That's true. <laughs>